You're listening to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast from Clear Creek Community Church, located in the Bay Area of Houston. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Clear Creek Resources Podcast. I'm Ryan. I'm Rachel. And we have with us today, Yancey Arrington. Hi. <laughs> Give me some drum rolls. Hello. Yeah, I, I was going to like build you up and do a big drum uh, roll. Oh, it's okay. They, people right. know me, unfortunately. All right. So the three of us are here today because uh, we just took a two-week break on the podcast, and now we are launching into a summer series, a podcast episode series. We're going to talk about a bunch of different movies and uh, some TV series that uh, have come out uh, that have been influential within our culture. And we're going to talk about the stories that are within them, the themes that we see in there. How does the gospel intersect with that? Uh, how do we deal with those within our families and all those different fun things? But we want to start off with uh, just a conversation with the three of us to talk about just the uh, the idea of story in general, um, movies, books, music, how we engage with those things as followers of Jesus. Um, how do we see the theme of the gospel throughout them? Um, how do we just see them as a, an act of, of really a work of common grace within people and humanity and that we can enjoy? So um, that's what we're doing today. Y'all ready? Yeah, yeah. sounds great. All right, cool. All right, so we'll start Rachel said with... she wants to talk a whole bunch today. That's all my right. plan. That's good. Well, I'm planning on not talking a whole uh, lot today. Yeah, we'll Let's see. Just, we'll just, yeah, all right. So let's just start off real easy. This is softball. What's your favorite movie and why? Or if you know, you're going to say, I can't just name one, name a few top food. No, I can name one. Movies. I'll name right. it, and I, I won't even have to belabor it because I'm going to talk at this talk about this at length later. So Star Wars is my favorite movie, period. I was six when I saw it, 1977, the original. And the reason it's my favorite movie is because it captured my my imagination uh, when I was a little kid and basically defined my childhood and not just me, but if you grew up, if you're kind of an 80s kid as a teenager, but, but pre-teen, you're in the 70s, late 70s as such I was, it really, it was our cultural phenomenon that we all talked about, transformed everything uh, for a kid. So uh, it's never left me. I'm probably more emotionally attached to it than intellectually attached to it, but man, those are some strong emotional attachments. So it's Star Wars. All right. What about you? Oh, I would say um, Rudy was really big for me. Really? Growing up. I mean, wow. I, I don't know why. I don't, maybe I just had some insecurities. Maybe I thought I was too small and this story of the underdog. I don't know what it was, but I liked Rudy and also Top Gun. So those were like the two big movies as a kid that, um, you know, I mean, I, I've sung the Top Gun soundtrack at karaoke bars before. Have you just, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know which is more disturbing, you singing it or just being at a karaoke bar. Uh, you know, I don't know if I, it was, I don't know if it really was a karaoke bar. It, oh, it may have just been like the, the, uh, the karaoke bar. All part of our of like eight-year-old daughters have karaoke machines. That's probably what it was. Oh, yeah. But yeah, no, it's, yeah, Top Gun. So, man. I mean, not to jump ahead, but you know that Top Gun, the sequel's coming out this summer. So I'm assuming you'll be like right there getting tickets for it. Uh, yeah, Tom Cruise is, like Tom is 90. It's your favorite he's movie. It's going to be. <laughs> he's, it's, yeah. he's 90. It's, uh, it's, the thing uh, is, I don't see movies without my kids, so I don't know if I'll be able to see that one. Yeah, I, don't, well. I may have to wait for a while. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. All right, what about you? Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to, I'm sitting here trying to think. I don't actually watch a ton of movies, which is so... I'm, I'm glad I'm here today. It's all-time favorite, um, though. You watch know, the movie at some point. It's just hard. I was really... I'm trying to think, and... I I think I would go with either Pride and Prejudice, the new, the Keira Knightley one, or l the new Little Women, the one that I don't yeah. remember the director's name, but it was just a really well done uh, movie on one of my favorite books. I watched so, that, actually. I think it's great. I think that there's with like- my wife. <laughs> there's like, yeah, see, because you're a good husband. Yep. But there's this, there's a diversity it. of what it means to be a woman in both of those, which I think is really helpful. And they're still, they're virtuous, which I think is, doesn't happen all that often, but they're also humorous and talk about relationships and the need for, the need for them and what you look for in marriage. I just like them a lot. See how she just juked us on that one? Yeah. Talking I like about that because it had jets in it. Yeah. Mine had laser beams <laughs> and explosions, but go ahead. Go ahead, Rachel. Yeah. Give us another one. I like Star Wars. Yeah. Oh my God. All right. Not so more recently, what's something that you've seen that you really liked resonated with you? For any reason, do we have at all. to do this always in the same order. No, go ahead, Rachel. Order. All right, yeah, Rachel, so, you go first. Um, You're still talking. A movie I've seen recently. Well, let me give you two. So the the I saw Cruella recently, and I didn't really have high expectations because I didn't really know what that was going to look like. But I thought it was really good. I like a villain backstory because it reminds me that everyone has a story, 
and that we all have, you know, some sin and evil lurking in us. And I just think they did a really good job. And it was just a cool movie. I thought it was really good. Um, but the other movie, because Yancey probably could talk about this, was I watched Tree of Life just about a month ago and had to write a paper on it. And um, it's old, oldish. It's newer than Top Gun, but yeah. it's in Star Wars. Yeah. Um, but it is so good and just, I'm still thinking about it and it's just a great movie. I think a great way to have conversations with people too. So that's a good one. Yeah. So for me, I, I, you know, I don't think it's any secret. I said this from the, from the pulpit, probably a lot like Rachel, but I don't know, maybe even more so. I'm not, I'm not generally a movie person. I'm a book person, but I do like good movies and I'll watch them every so often. So like in recent memory, I think he even preached about this. The last movie I saw was Tenet by Christopher Nolan because I'm a huge Christopher Nolan fan. I like the movies that he makes. I'm also a Taylor Sheridan fan. He's a writer. Anything that he does, uh, uh, Hell or High Water, Sicario, uh, he actually wrote the Yellowstone series. I know you like Yellowstone. Uh, I do too. Uh, a lot of a lot of people like it. So I, I just like the way that he writes. So I tend to follow directors and writers more than I follow just just whatever movies coming out. So Christopher Nolan did Tenet. Had to watch it. Loved it. Thought it was fun. Uh, I recently saw Parasite uh, by a, a guy, girl, guy. I think it's a guy named Bong Joo Hu. It's Korean, and it, it was I think it was the first foreign film that won Best Picture. And I had just not seen it, and I wanted to see it. I thought it was really fantastic. Rented it from the library because that's how I roll. And uh, but if you could do like a contemporary series, something my wife got into that I got into because I would just stop and watch while she was watching it, and I couldn't take my eyes off it because first of all, I thought it was beautifully filmed. The cinematography is great, and it's just brilliantly written. Is The Crown hmm. on Netflix? Yeah, is, that's a good one. It 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 may be one of the best run series on Netflix I've seen. I mean, there, there's an episode in there that it, it may be the most overtly Christian episode. And I'm not, I don't, I don't, that doesn't drive me, uh, but it was fantastic. So those are the three things that came up to my mind because I knew you're going to ask this question. So uh, that's, the, those are mine. I thought you were going to say Star Wars 9. No, man, don't, don't even get me started on the latest Star Wars. We're going to save that for that, the Star Wars episode, Star Wars podcast. Yeah. I'll put all my anger later <laughs> for that. Uh, for me, like you mentioned, Yellowstone. I I, I got into Yellowstone. I mean, I even I went out and got me a cowboy hat, Come new, on, man. a new cowboy hat. Yeah. What, what is it? Watching. It's Netflix show. Uh, it was on. It was on. It's on the Peacock app. I think it's a Paramount. Paramount. Oh, okay. Um, channel. Uh, Kevin Costner. Um, you know, it's Montana. All the beautiful man. It's modern day western. Stuff. I mean, it's modern day western. It's an interesting, interesting one. Beautifully I, shot. Makes you want to own some property up there. Oh, I'll yeah. tell you that. It's gorgeous. Oh, yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah, next campus. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Next campus, my man. Yeah. Uh, and then I also really like Ted Lasso, which that'll be one of our, our episodes this summer for our, our podcast series. Ted Lasso was a lot of fun. All right, so we're talking about movies this summer, but also this could apply to books, maybe even some some music. There's something about stories that we really love that resonates with us. And so what is it about stories? Why do we love them? Why do we need them? Well, I, I mean, this could go on and on and on and on. The things that come to my mind are, um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a professor of philosophy at Notre Dame, a guy named Christian Smith, who wrote a book uh, and, and the... And the premise of the book is that if, if people consider human beings animals, they're incredibly unique animals. And one of the things that he says about them being unique animals, he says that they are quote unquote narrative mm -hmm. animals, that we exist the way we understand things, the way we have conceptually conceived of the universe is really wired through story. That's how we think about things. And so I think because of that, Stories are inherently powerful for human beings. We can't escape them. I mean, even when I preach, I'll preach a sermon <clears throat> or you preach a sermon or, you know, Rachel's going to speak somewhere and we can talk all we want to about abstract or principal things, principles, I should say. But the moment we tell a story, it's just as easier for the people that are listening to just lean in because we are wired that way. So that, that would be one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, neurobiology is probably a little bit boring, but if you study interpersonal neurobiology, we are literally wired for it. So you can tell someone, like he's saying, you can tell someone, love your wife, 
and they can understand it, but if they watch a story or they hear a story where someone is loving their wife, like Pride and Prejudice, when he gives himself up for her, then it change, It actually changes the way your brain works, is what like modern research says. So we're literally wired as human beings for story, uh, which makes sense because if you look at the Bible, like God is a storyteller, which is pretty amazing. It's mostly how he teaches us is through story, which is why it's transformative. But it's also because it gives us, I mean, I think part of it too, is that we live in our own little world. And when we hear a story, it allows us to step out of it. So I think one of the great gifts of story is empathy. It teaches us how to love one another, which we're called to do. And to do that, we have to step outside of our lives, step outside of like having us be the center of everything we know and walk in the shoes of another. And that's what story gives us. I agree. Um, Again, I'm more of a book person and and what comes to mind are a couple of book quotes, can't even remember them off the top of my head, but it's kind of like, you know, when you read books, it allows you to visit other countries, allows you to go to other universes, allows you to walk in someone else's shoes. And a corollary to that would be movies. I mean, you can do the same thing with movies. Really good movies help you put on another suit that you just can't wear, uh, whether that's, uh, well, it could be anything. And if it's done really well, it helps you just... And it hopefully helps you empathize with that point of view, or maybe you don't like it even more because you've you've been in those shoes. But that's to me that one of the beautiful things about movies and art in general, but stories in general, I should say, is that they they transport you in a way that just telling people data and facts can't do that. And there's nothing wrong with data and facts, but it is it is quite remarkable that when God wanted to share His revelation of redemption with us through a real person and work in Jesus and the cross, he did it in a Bible that is primarily story from the beginning of Genesis all the way to Revelation, this narrative arc. And that's what it is. A narrative uh, has all these movements in it, all these characters in it. And, and we take them as historically real characters and we should, but it's still a story. In fact, you really kind of cheapen the Bible if all you make out of it, it's just a bunch of principles that you can boil down and apply to your life when it's it's not that at all. It's this story in which God is the hero through the person of Jesus coming to redeem things that are broken and make all things new. Mm-hmm. So, that, Well, I think that, that as humans too, we're all looking for some sort of truth. So we're, we're wired for story and we're also, we sort of understand that there is this narrative arch, you know, like we, we, we see it, we know it. And so most stories and any, in any medium, they're going to have aspects of that. We're all searching for the gospel or we're searching for purpose. We're searching for truth. And so all these stories are how are, there's sort of a picture of human beings searching for that truth in a way that human beings are unique in. You know, we all want to know, why are we here? Why is there suffering? You know, why is it that I do the things I don't want to do? Why is there good and evil? Because, you know, materialistic, secular, completely materialistic philosophy doesn't take you there. If, if, you, really, if you really hold to that philosophy, you don't end up looking for purpose or truth or redemption or that suffering is good. And so what I think is amazing about story is that it really does echo what is in scripture. You know, it's, it's all these things that we sort of know as human beings are true because God writes it on our hearts and we're all in his image and we're all looking for that. And you see it in all sorts of movies. Yeah. I, it's interesting because I, I feel like you're, you're talking about on this like really deep level, but I also just agree that there's this aspect of our minds that are wired for imagination. Like we, we like imagining things and a good storyteller, whether it's a book or a movie is is really aiding our imagination to do things that we may not be able to do ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, like to imagine um, a story that we don't write, but someone else wrote and we get to enjoy that and it takes us there, so. Yeah. yeah Delighting is yeah. is an aspect of being a human being too. Absolutely. And we were all, I mean, a lot of these movies are just fun. Like I love musicals. I grew up on musicals mm-hmm. and there there isn't usually something super profound. What's the last musical profound. you saw? Oh, that's probably Hamilton. Well, but I'm really talking about like singing us, in like the, the rain. I, there is no us, chance that is happening. I don't even remember any of those songs where I could even challenge you. You sing Little Mermaid. I just heard you sing that. I did sing a part of Little Mermaid, but I don't know any of the songs of Hamilton where I could do that. But they're just entertaining, Alexander? which is a good oh, thing too. Like it doesn't have to be a serious <laughs> movie to connect with you and story. Yeah. I would even say that, that stories do different things. They're not supposed to just do one thing. That's why they're so, that's why we're wired for it. They Stories, you can have stories for amusement just for sure amusement. You can have stories that, that get you away, that escape. You have stories that really want, you know, you want to find out who you are a little bit for it. So, I mean, I just, I know it's not a movie. I just finished a book last night from Stephen King 
and it was a really kind of a science fiction deal. And it just was for fun. And although it had some provocative, thoughtful things in it, it wasn't like, you know, stirring my soul, but I wanted to do something like that. Um, now there's, there can be a danger with, I think there's a danger and a dark side to the story, at least how Americans mm-hmm. embrace story, but we, we can get there later if we need to at all. But there's a, but, but just to come full circle, there are stories can hit us at all kinds of levels. It can just be like, I just want to have fun. You know, I, you want to see um, Maverick, destroy a couple of MiG fighters over the sea and some explosions and just because you want to have fun with it. And and then, but there may be, if you do that long enough, you're like, ah, oh, I need something else besides explosions. Uh, so uh, you may want something where it's really moving. Like you're going to watch Shawshank Redemption or you're going to watch, you may be like Forrest Gump. I know these are kind of old callbacks, but, but, but movies that have uh, a different kind of substance to them. And so instead of saying, ah, oh, one's good, one's bad, they just do different things. Uh, although I would argue that if you only have if you only have kind of the top guns in your life, uh, there's a there's a dark side to that. You got to be careful of. I do think that's. I think that's an interesting question because I think that I think C.S. Lewis says something like, "I'm gonna. I don't have this, so I'm gonna butcher it." He but you can say like, it. Say it the in the British accent. Of, oh yeah, <laughs> the heresy of equalizing. It's something like that. Someone correct me. Just send me an email. Um, but he basically is saying like, it's not. It's okay to say some novels and movies are better than others. There's better artistry, but um, it doesn't make you more spiritually mature, but it does matter. So there's sort of like a balancing act between those things. Like if you only watch, you know, Tree of Life and what, uh, what else is profound, that doesn't make you a better Christian. But you also should recognize at some, at some level that there are movies that are, that are good, that are better, that are doing this in better ways. So as a Christian though, is it, um, should Christians only, consume media, whether it's books, movies, whatever, that are obviously or explicitly Christian in its themes or even written by a Christian? Yancey would say yes. Yeah. He only listens to Christian music <laughs> and watches Christian The people movies. know better than that, Rachel. You can't, you can't pull one over the people at Clear Creek. They've heard me too long. So I, Philippians 4, 8, it's probably the Bible verse that comes to my mind more than any when we talk about stuff like this, where finally, brothers, whatever is pure, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, lovely, um, commendable, so on and so forth, think upon these things. And what's unique about that passage is Paul writing to the Philippians is actually probably quoting or at least uh, taking from the Hellenistic ideals of that culture that were good, that he found in that culture. Because you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have to give people a list of telling people like, Hey, in the new Testament, think you need to find stuff that's good and true. And I mean, because it all is in the new Testament. I mean, the, the, the teachings of Jesus don't need to be filtered to, to, to know whether they're good or true or noble. And so when he says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, it's almost as if he's saying in the world that God gives us, in addition to the truth that he's revealed to us specifically through Jesus and the word of God, Everything else that out that out there that's that's good and true and commendable. Think upon those things as well. You, you mentioned common grace. You dropped that that word. If, if 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 our listeners don't know what common grace is, it's this idea that that God's blessing to some degree flows to all people. And the fact that we're made in the image of God, uh, the fact that we have uh, freedom to make decisions, the fact that we can have families, the fact that we have technology and medicine, so on and so forth. I think that that's a little bit of what Paul's trying to say here. And so when I, when I approach movies, for example, I don't just think, what did a Christian write this? Or did they say Jesus somewhere? I, I tend to think of, is, this, is the overall force of this show good, honorable, true? Does it, does, it, does it say something true? And sometimes saying something true doesn't mean saying something in a way that's... Um, Christian. Yeah, it's, that's clean, that's uh, s- sterilized. So, for example, take uh, Saving Private Ryan, Steven Spielberg's Saving Private Ryan. I don't even remember when that came out. Twenty years ago, or so right. I remember watching Ryan that. And in I were only ten. I remember watching that. It's probably true. <laughs> I remember watching that in the theater, and the you know the opening five ten minutes, and there it's Normandy, it's D Day. I mean, I'm. I'm punching the back of the chair in front of me. Thankfully, no one was in that chair, and I'm, I'm, I'm clenched fist, and I'm, my, I mean, my pulse is racing 100 miles a minute, and it's so violent, and so explicit and graphic that they're not going to be showing this, you know, at Sunday school where I went to that, you know, the following day, 
and there's uh, profanity in it. There's all kinds of things in it, but it's an amazing movie because it's about truth. It's about sacrifice. It's about things that I want to build into my kids that I can tell them, hey, you need to be sacrificial. You need to be faithful, blah, blah. but I could sit them and watch that, watch that with them. Again, they got to be at the right age and every parent's got to decide when's, when's too young because I wouldn't let my kids watch that for a long time. Same thing with Schindler's List, another Steven Spielberg movie, by the way. Schindler's List has explicit violence, full frontal nudity, and, and coarse language. And it's in a majestic movie of, because what it deals with is it deals with truth uh, and, and the horror of the Holocaust and all these. And, and that movie got more people to think about the horror of the Holocaust than any book of history they'd ever read in school. That's the power of story. But I wouldn't say that was an overtly Christian movie by any stretch of the imagination. So to me, I'm, I'm trying to find movies that is there truth in it? Is there love in it? Is there justice in it? Is there honor in it? And movies like that. And there, there are other movies out there. I mean, you can make a case for a lot of movies. People would say like the, the Avengers series, which is much lighter, right? Because it's, it's superhero Which we're going to do a podcast about too. Yeah, so. It's one of them. So, I mean, it's, it, it can deal in the same things. What's true and noble and good about this, right? But there are times where you can make that, you can make that just an excuse for watching really bad stuff. Oh, there was one good thing in it. Well, you know, put it on a scale. That's how I do it. You got to discern like, here's some things that are probably questionable content. Here's some things that are really good. Does, does the good outweigh the bad? And you got to be honest with, and I think everyone's different. So I wouldn't be a, I wouldn't let my convictions be everyone else's law, but that's the kind of stuff you have to work through. But no, I, I think it's beyond Christian, uh, just purely Christian movies or, but I, I treat that with any art the same way yeah i mean i think i was gonna say like when paul in Acts 17 i think um you know he quotes the greek thinkers whenever he's talking whenever he's trying to evangelize because they don't know the old testament they don't know the bible and so they're not going to listen to him if, if he's quoting the bible and so he quotes their thinkers he talks about the the unnamed god and that's how he connects with them and to me that's a similar concept if you're not not i think thinking through what are we going to watch you know, that's one issue and how do we connect with people and they're definitely related. Um, but thinking through how you're going to connect with people, you know, recognizing that these aren't theological treatises, these movies, they're like Yancey's talking about, they're speaking to the truth of the human condition and then using that to ask questions. What, what did you, what did you think about this movie? What do you think the purpose was? Why do you think that there is sacrifice a lot? Why, why does it bother you all this suffering and this evil? I mean, those are just such great starting points to connect with people that I think we can miss out on if we're only trying to watch Christian movies or only trying to get other people to watch Christian movies, even as Christians. I think that can happen. So when I, to, to kind of piggyback and just redirect me if we need to go somewhere differently, but I, I think the reason I, I probably don't, well, th I think when movies get it wrong is when they trivialize those things. And I think Christians are just as bad as secularists. Christians can trivialize like real pain and what, what real sorrow and loss feels like because some Christian, some Christian stuff always wants to tie a bow on the end and everything's rosy and good and isn't amazing. Everyone got saved. And while I would want that in my heart, I just know that reality doesn't bear that. It's just hard to enter into a story that you just think doesn't mirror reality a little bit. Um, that to me is just as trivial as, as stories where everything, you know, it's all explosions and, and robots and, um, and all these fun things, but they're also wrapping a story where they glorify sexuality in a way that's not helpful, or they think violence is, it's not, it's just fun. I mean, we're probably the most desensitized generation ever when it comes to violence because of the movies we watch. And I'm not an anti-violence person as far as it is literary device, but it, it can be cheapened, if you will. So those are the kinds of things like, I'll, I'll give you a quote, because uh, this came to mind, Alan Noble, who's a professor out of Oklahoma Baptist University, uh, wrote a book called Disruptive Witness. And he said, many of the popular stories in our culture leave us worse off. Instead of haunting us, they glorify vice and they distract us from ourselves and they lift our mood without lifting our spirits. And they make us envious and covetous of fame, sexual conquests and material possessions, end quote. And I, I think that's where you have to be discerning because there's a lot of stuff out here that people love uh, that's popular, but it's not helpful. 
because it stirs in us the things that don't make us yearn for the kingdom of God, but yearn for the opposite of it. So I don't want to get too deep and like, oh my gosh, what a buzzkill. Don't invite Yancey to movie night. But that's the kind of stuff I think that Christians have to be. You said, how do we make those decisions? That's kind of what factors into my head in making those decisions. Well, I, yeah, I think that, that that's a really good point. I think that sometimes whenever we think through like, well, is it okay for a Christian to watch this? And how do you connect with people through these things? You know, those are sort of two different questions. Yeah, I agree. So if you're thinking through like, should I even be watching this to begin with? You know, I think basically what you're saying is, does it lead, does it lead you away from God or towards God? Does it lead you toward depravity or does it lead you toward God? And, and that doesn't mean that it's a clean, a clean picture and that there's no suffering because some tears are not wiped away in this lifetime. And that's part of life, but where does it lead you? Yeah. And I think you do have to have community and you have to have wisdom. You have to like, yeah, that's a leading the Holy Spirit. I think sometimes we want a list. Like these are the movies you can watch. This is what you cannot watch, but it doesn't usually work that way. Agree. Yeah. So how do you think about that for, I mean, it seems like there's a difference. Well, I mean, let me ask you this. Do you think there's a difference between the level of violence in a, in a movie, the level of language in a movie, the language or the, the level of uh, sexual content in a movie, um, or even things like, you know, we're going to talk about Harry Potter next sure. week. Yep. And so that has magic yeah. and, you know, dark arts things in there. So um, how do you handle each one of those things differently? Because you might say uh, when it comes to sexual content, yep. my threshold of what's okay is a whole lot lower, yep. but my threshold for violence might be a little bit higher in terms of like what would, what would categorize something as PG-13 versus sure. R. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, here's, I think just in you articulating the question, you answer it. And it's essentially what Rachel said. I think every Christian has to, they need to know themselves, himself or herself about what they, their threshold for certain things. I won't call the guys out on our staff who, cause they've told me this, but there's one of our guys on staff. He can't watch anything with violence in it, period. I mean, just even slapstick stuff. It's just like, I can't do that. And I, I, I'm not like that at all. I don't, I, uh, I, you know, but he can't. And uh, I mean, I get turned off by gratuitous violence cause I just think it's worthless. It's just, it's cheap and easy. And, um, but again, there, I, I can handle violence and, and stuff as long as it's trying to be true to the, the story. And, and, you know, again, superhero movies notwithstanding. I, I think the same thing with sexual stuff. Uh, I, I don't want to be the person that's the um, police of that because if there's, a, if there's a, a scene where there's someone happens to be naked in it, uh, you know, there was, again, full front and nudity in, in Schindler's List. Now, it wasn't sexually uh, framed, but still, um, there may be scenes in movies that have that kind of sexual element to it that you can go, you know what? Um, I, I, I'm okay. And my conscience is clear. I think that's done in a way that, that moves the story along. It's not gratuitous. It's not throwing into my vice, but I think those are kind of honest questions you have to have. If you don't do that, then what you have is kind of this fundamentalist idea where now you have lists. And I do think there are movies that you just can't hardly justify. And, and I've, you know, there, and I won't even list them out, but there are movies, books that were made into movies that like, no, this is really good. I'm like, not really. It's just essentially porn. It's essentially what that is with some swords in it or with some detectives in it or, you know, just whatever it is. It's, it's masquerading as something that it's not. That's where you just need to be honest with yourself. But I think for like most of the stuff that people watch, they have to develop discernment and they have to be honest and they can't kid themselves because our hearts can easily want to be, oh, you know, that's not that big of a deal. But I, I think it goes with everything. It goes for how money is portrayed, how the family's portrayed. What does a husband look like or a wife look like? Uh, what does sexuality look like? And those kinds of things to me are, it's, it's really easy to point, point at violence and sex, but there's a whole milieu of things out there that, that the world tells us this is what it's like. And, um, and it's usually not even with serious movies. It's usually with our sitcoms. It's usually with our episodic shows we see on TV that we kind of like, make us feel good, but subtly you're telling us this is how the world is and this is how you ought to be. So I know it's a long-winded answer just to simply get back to the same point of saying it is, as you've said, it's a discernment issue. You've got to figure out how strong you are in Jesus and, and what affects you and what doesn't affect you. You need to be a sensitive to your own antenna in that. But 
Rachel probably has something better to say than that. No, I mean, I, I think I, you're saying everything. It also, it takes a lot of work. I think sometimes we're like, someone just tell me what to do, but you have to be honest and humble and be in community. And that's the only way to make any choices about anything. And it definitely is the same here. I also think that it is so dependent upon, you know, who you are and your story and where you are. Some things like you're saying are just, you know, there's gratuitous, you know, sin and it's drawing you towards that. And it's, it obviously is. But for other people, um, you know, nudity is going to affect them in a way it's not going to affect me, yep. you know, and there's, and there's lots of issues like that. I also think that we're talking about movies, but books and movies, in my opinion, so you guys tell me what you think, I think that they're different. So I can read a lot of books that have a lot of violence. I have a really hard time watching it. Like, no, I agree I just, with that. I think it affects yeah, people differently. I it's agree. It's just so, so reading it and then visualizing it is a different experience and I have a harder time with that. So I remember one time you said, I think you're talking about Game of Thrones because you, I said something about watching Game of Thrones and Yancey said, well, are you even a Christian? <laughs> and I actually didn't even know what he was talking about because I read the first four books. So I read the first um. four books or something like that, wherever they, wherever he stopped writing them, then I just went back and watched the last couple of seasons on my phone, but I'm watching them on my phone on mute and I just fast forward. So I didn't even really know. Well, like sure, how hold for you, finish bad. that. Surely I was joking about that. You were joking. Okay, because I don't want, because- They know you're joking. J- just so you know though, I do think that was, I've had, just for the record, I've had, Many people ask me about Game yeah. of Thrones, to, and I, I didn't want to give that example. That's why I'm that's bringing what I was it up. hesitating <laughs> yeah. on, uh, because I think that's a discernment issue. But I've asked really honest questions to people in our church of like, tell me why, mm-hmm. what this, this, and this, and this says. And I would, you know, you can go to like secular articles where even the seculars are going, man, this, is... this seems pretty hard on women, yeah. uh, the gratuitous nature of this, all this stuff. And so, but even that being said, I would send that to him and say, it's still your call. And I'm, I'm, you got to make that decision. I'm not going to be the legalist that says no to this, but man, be honest about it. And, and uh, that's all I ask. And so I, I've, I've never followed up with people say, which did you choose? Mm-hmm. Cause I, you make me happy. Uh, I just want them to approach everything and not give special passes to just stuff that's really cool that they like. I mean, I like a lot of stuff, but I don't, that can't be the gateway into to, to actually, ah, you know, it's actually affected my soul a little bit. Right. I agree with you that, especially for men, visuals way affects them more than just if they were to read it in a book. But I, I just have friends of mine that can't read certain things in books mm-hmm. because of where their imagination goes, yeah. which I think books actually unlock your imagination in different ways than movies do. But either way. Um, and I think gender matters. I think a lot of things matter. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. For the record, just be discerning about all that stuff. Yeah. Well, and I think both of you sort of pointed this out in different ways. Part of that discernment, though, happens in community because we, we are prone to right. self-deception. So even right. the act of somebody getting your input as you know their pastor or their friend, hey, I'm you know, what do you think about Game of Thrones? Yeah. You, know, you mentioned in community. I mean, for someone to say, oh, I I can watch this because I, I'm strong enough. It doesn't mm-hmm. it doesn't bother me too much. It doesn't yeah. lead me to sin. Yeah. I think it's it's a question that you don't just ask yourself, you ask other people around you to, yeah. to give some wise counsel in. For the record on that, I think I said for the record earlier, but sorry, for the record. This the, is all in the record. The people that have sent that to me, I deeply appreciate because they, they want to do the right thing. I think one of the one of the times they emailed me, this person just was kind of a little irritated that someone challenged them. Notice the pronouns I'm using, challenged them. So mm-hmm. it's not going to say it's a woman or a man about why they were watching it. And I'm thinking you should not be offended if someone genuinely, sincerely in your community approaches you about, hey, can you just give me some justification why you want to watch that? Because I'm, I'm concerned that it's not helping you. And we ought to be humble enough to go, first of all, thank you for loving me enough to ask the question. Here's why I think it's okay to do that. And they don't have to agree, but at least you've thought it. And if you haven't thought why you think it's okay to watch that, then you need to do that. That's really all I'm calling you to do. So yeah. the people that have emailed me about that, I just appreciate it. And I, again, I don't tell them what to do. I just try to give them things to think about to say, put this in your file or put this on the scale of, of what you think's good and bad. And if you think good outweighs the bad, that's gotta be your call. And you have to do that with a clear conscience uh, in, the, in the power of the spirit. Sometimes our own defensiveness should be a red flag to yeah. um, maybe you know, something stepping on our idol or yeah, you know, I agree. then we kind of say, wait a second, why did I get so defensive there? Why was that? You know, or even our so own questions, that's what I was thinking. If, if I am watching something and I'm thinking, I wonder if I should be watching this, that is a red flag too. 
It doesn't mean you shouldn't be, but sometimes that is like the Spirit speaking to us that maybe we should rethink why it is we turned it on. Yeah. All right, let's talk about kids and families when it comes to some of those same things. So Yancey, you've got three older kids yep. and uh, and I've heard you talk a lot about this in terms of discipling your kids yep. and you've taught on that. Rachel and I both have younger kids. Uh, it's much easier for us to control their their content intake. Um, but you know, we're getting to that age where they're gonna have a lot more freedom gradually as, as time goes on. And they're starting just to see things that, um, they weren't seen before and hear language they hadn't heard Wait till before. they go stay at someone else's house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, just trying to engage our kids and have uh, conversations about those things. Yeah. So I'm just curious to know some of your thoughts now when you, you know, direct this towards, not towards yourself right now, but towards your family and your yeah. kids. I think it's a great question. I think there is, um, for me and my kids, when, when they're little, you control it. When they're older, you coach it. That's the difference. So now I just coach. And so we'll watch movies. We'll watch movies together. So Haddon and I watch Tenet together. Uh, I've watched other movies with my children and, and even when they were little. So we're watching, and my wife does the same thing. So many of you know my wife's name is Jennifer. Uh, whenever Jennifer and I, whenever we watch movies with our kids, when they were little, we started not just controlling, we started coaching. So we would stop things in the middle of shows and go, all right, this person just did that. And I can't remember the name of the movie. There was a movie, Rachel, I'm gonna use you, I'm gonna ask you as my, as my phone a friend on this uh, contest. I hope it's Disney. It's Disney. It's the redheaded girl, it's Scottish. It's the- Brave. Brave, Brave. oh yeah. So there's, there's this whole thing going on with Brave. I'm not gonna, I'm gonna kind of mess up this illustration yeah. here, but my wife took a bunch of kids along with my kids to watch this movie. And my wife's kind of working through the movie. Now they're in the theater. So she, you can't, you just pause the screen, <laughs> right? She comes home and in the car, she just starts talking to these kids about, you know what this girl says at the end? Is that really true about who, is your, is your identity really wrapped up in what you do? Because what if she didn't, what if she wasn't successful? Would she still be important? I mean, just my wife's just going through this whole thing and you got to do this in a way that seems natural. You can't like, you know, kids are scared to watch movies with their parents because they're going to get the, you know, the third degree questions. You keep pausing and turning the lights yeah. on. Like, so All right, discussion time. So I, there are times though where I'll just talk over what's going on. Hey, that's not what we do. That's not how we treat people. And look at what's just going to happen here. And you can tell where stories are good or bad, in my opinion, mm-hmm. when they, if, if the, if the pe- people keep doing things that aren't good, but they never get held accountable to it in a way that's not helpful, it's, and again, it's, or it's gratuitous or, or it upholds vice. First of all, when they're little, they don't get to watch those shows. But over time, again, I move from controlling what my kids imbibe culturally to, to coaching them because I, I need them to be discerners. Yeah. So I just help them do that. So when they tell me, so part of that is I just want to get in their world. Hey, what, what, and I do this for all art. What music are you listening to? So the other day, uh, one of my kids was just telling me I'm listening to this and I don't judge what my kids listen to. Cause then I'll be the last time my kids ever share with me what they're listening to. So they're like, Hey dad, I'm listening to this and it's this rap, it's this. And so we'll go through the lyrics and probably not what I'd say from stage on some of those things. I'm like, why do you like this song? What's good about it? Why would they use language like this? Da, 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 da. And, and my kids are, they're so used to me dialoguing with them in a way that's non-judgmental. They're like, well, dad, it's because of this, this, and this. And now what I've seen with my children, because we're trying to disciple our kids in the ways of Jesus, is that they're, they're, they're applying that discernment to the music that they listen to. Like there's some songs like, dad, I just quit listening to it just because I couldn't find their words, anything redemptive in it. I'm like, bingo, now, now we can party. Now we can play. Now we can just go watch movies and I, I might even take a son or two of mine to go watch movies that are more on my side of the street, a little more on the adult side uh, where it's got some questionable content in there that I think they're ready to dialogue about, but it's done in such a way that it doesn't, it doesn't highlight it's gratuitous. It's not gratuitous. It's not gratuitous at all, but it's, it doesn't, it highlights how, how bad something is, not glorifies how, how bad something is. So uh, that's, that's how I do it with my kids now because they're not kids. They're, they're young adults to me, or maybe pre-adults. And this is the kind of stuff that I have to do now. Because if your kids have smart devices, doesn't matter. They're watching whatever they want to watch and you can put as many things on there as you want to. But once they get to school, their kids, their friends are going to show them those things. So I just thought I needed to not just prevent those, those things from my kids. I had to prepare my kids. Yeah. Well, and I would notice that, you know, my kids are six, eight, and 10. 
And everything you're saying is is true, even of younger kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. kids. Yeah. So yeah. we watch <clears throat> movies that are the kid movies of the day. They still have the same level of things that pop up that you still have to dialogue about that. Oh, like, they you do. Can't just, you can't just take what Disney says. And there, there wasn't like this golden era where it was like, man, we should go back and watch the kids' movies that I watched as a kid. They were all this like They're squeaky clean. Too. You go back and you watch these things and you're like, I can't believe I, I watched that as a kid. Right. They have sexual innuendos in their sandlots. Got hey man, just mo- sing Grease Lightning to, I mean, to, to the oh Grease yeah. musical. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, stuff that when you're little you don't think anything of it, and then you kind of you're a little older and like with the lyric. I can't believe I sang yeah. that along with my mom <laughs> in the car. But again, and she did like the girl part and you did the guy part. And <laughs> no, like- it wasn't that song. It was. <laughs> I don't want to go into this. I mean, I think yeah. this is, it's, just, it's similar to how we treat ourselves really at the end of the day. It's, we have to know the why behind it. So whenever we're talking with our kids, we can't control what they do now because, and we should, but we have to give them the why behind it. And so we have to constantly be talking to them and asking them questions too, which is what we should be doing with everybody. Um, but I also think the more we're talking about not just critiquing the movies that we're watching, but talking through all of these things in life, like the truth of scripture and the beauty of the Christian story and what we hope for them in Christ, that then they're sort of developing all these things together. Cause it's not just making a list. You can't watch these things, you know, cause people ask me about Santa Claus and people have lots of different opinions about Santa Claus and we do Santa Claus. And people are like, you're lying to your kid. They're going to think that that, (laughs) it's okay. But they're like, they're going to think Santa and Jesus are the same. And I understand that. But our response as a family is that we don't talk about Santa and Jesus the same way. We talk about Jesus all throughout the year and we don't talk about him as someone who just comes at Christmas, right? He, he's part of every aspect of our lives. So that isn't something my kids question because that's just like, that's part of our whole family and worldview. So I also think that if you're thinking through like talking to your kids, you have to make sure you're doing the positive Along with the negative. Yeah, you know. here's, how, here's how I think about that. Your kids are going to get excited about anything you get excited about because they already idolize you. So I, part of how I teach my kids, I want to be more caught than taught. So I, I, I want to make sure that my discernment for me is, is, on, is on point, that I can handle things, not handle, that I can enjoy things that are worth enjoying, and that I, I really value things that are, have good, that, are, that are art for art's sake. They're, they're helpful, they're good, they're noble. And so it's easy for me to get fired up about something I've read or watched and I can articulate why I like it. And so when my boys see like, oh my gosh, that movie was awesome. And let me tell you why it was awesome, kids. My kids are like, man, dad, I I think I want to watch that. My kids read books they would never read if it weren't for me reading them. My, my kids watch movies they would never watch if it weren't for Jennifer or me watching them. And, and, it's, and it's not, and we tell our kids why we watch them after, why it's so good. Because what I want to try to tell them, it's like, it's like food, right? Like you may not think that tastes good because you're seven, but you're going to see your dad eat this over and over again because my palate's more refined and it's awesome and I like it. But over time, because you want to be like your dad, you're going to learn how to eat something like that. Then when you're older, I'm like, wow, that's why it's so good. That's why it's amazing. And so I want my kids to imbibe music and art and movies and books and culture, the good things of it, because they saw their dad and mom as good discerners imbibe those same things so that when they're out on their own in college, beyond and they're not asking mom and dad what to do and they're not even doing that in high school by the way they they already know kind of the aroma of what to, what to take in because they had parents that got excited about things that were worth getting excited about so that's 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 what I want to do with my kids what I don't want to do with my children is I don't want them and I think adults do this all the time is I don't want them to use movies um, as as, uh, as something to avoid the world. So I'll just try to make this brief. The, one of the beautiful things about movies at a very surface level is escapism. It's, you can go somewhere, have fun. You don't have to think about things and, and they're fun, right? And there's something about that, whether it's going into Mordor and Middle Earth with Lord of the Rings, whether it's going into the skies off of San Diego with Top Gun, whether it's living in 18th, 19th century England, growing up with a bunch of sisters and little women. I mean, all these things are, they they just put you in a different place and you don't think about your world. The problem with the potential danger with movies and really all media and art 
is that you move from escapism to avoidism. And that's the thing I want to guard my kids from and I, I want to guard myself from because it's basically the cinematic movies become, if we're not careful, we're, we're binging Netflix all the time and we, we, they can be like the cinematic version of, of, of hitting the bottle because people hit the bottle. Some people hit the, some people drink to escape reality, uh, but really they, they want to chronically avoid reality because it keeps them from having to deal with life. And sometimes we can let, we can let movies do that. That's, that's not the problem. We, we, we kind of use movies to mediate our life through. That's not what, what I want. And so um, one of my favorite writers, Rachel knows this, is David Foster Wallace. And he wrote one time about talking about fiction in general. He said, movies where stuff blows up, those things chase away my loneliness by making me forget that my name's David. And I live in a one-by-one box of bone no other party can penetrate or know but I need art that helps me face my loneliness and understand transfigured and stared down and treated. And I think that's what really good movies do. So I don't, I don't want to be the guy that's like, you, you can't ever have a movie just for fun. But I remember, it's kind of ironic, I'm going to quote, a, remember a book. I, I read a book a couple of years ago by a guy named Walker Percy called The Movie Goer. And it's really not about a movie goer. It's, it's, it's not about movies. He was um, a, a man, the character is a guy named Binks. He was, a, he was a Korean war vet, he got wounded, and he suffers from PTSD. Now, this book was written, I don't know, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, maybe longer, I'm sorry. And he, he so does not want to deal with his life that all he does is he goes to movies and he just lives through the movies. And that to me was, it's a fantastic book about how we don't want to deal with reality. And that's to me that the, the dark side of, of movies is where you do them so much that you just want to mediate your life through it. Because the movie's much more exciting than the mundane of your world. But the truth is, um, your world can be much more exciting than you realize. Uh, you just got to be careful to, to actually engage it. So sorry if that's kind of like, ah, Yancey, we didn't want to talk about that. But to me, that's, that's, that's where like Christians have to approach their art Movies are a part of that art in a way that's serious so that they can seriously have fun. But sometimes we can almost coast in that in such a way where we don't ever deal with the real stuff in our life. Or we get so enamored by, you know, gosh, if I could just live in the 17th century England, everything would be awesome. My romance would be great. And this is how my husband or wife should be. And it's like, no, that's, that's, that's not how it should be. In fact, good movies should tell you like the warts and all if they can, along with the glories of it also. Sorry for the rant, but that's, no, that's the kind great. of stuff that I, I think Christians have to be careful of is that we don't make something that's really an escape for us, really something that we're just trying to use as an avoidance of reality and dealing with our life and dealing with our issues. Yeah, that's really great. That's helpful. All right, so let's kind of wrap some things up here. Uh, fun question here. What movies are you looking forward to this summer? Well, since I was the buzzkill for saying all that, I'll get this out of the hey, way. Come on. Just two. <laughs> Dune. And I know it's not the summer. Oh, Dune? Dune, Dune comes out oh. uh, in September, oh. and I'll be first in line. But again, it's kind of a cheat because it's based off of a book. But the movies I like tend to be that. The other one, bad ending. Uh, the other one I want to see is, um, no, it's not. It's not coming with Rachel. Let's get a hope. This be another hour. We're going to talk about how, how awesome Dune is. Uh, another movie I want to see is The Green Knight. Uh, the production company is A24. I like their stuff. Green Knight, it's, um, it's a take on Sir Gawain and The Green Knight, that 14th century work, the King Arthur stuff. So if you look at the trailer, it just looks awesome. Mm. It's kind of like cryptic and weird and grotesque. And uh, if it's weird, I tend to like those movies. It just probably says more about me than the movie. But those are the two movies I'm looking forward to. So I'm going to see on Friday, In the Heights, Into the Heights, what is it? It's Into the Heights. Uh, it's Lin-Manuel Miranda's new movie. It's his is first, it a musical? It's a musical. It was his first Broadway hit, Into the Heights. I actually saw it in New York when I was in junior high. And it's great. And so I'm really excited because he's just, he's a really good storyteller. And it's going to be excellent work too. So that's fun. And then I love Avengers. So I'm looking forward to the Loki series that's, I think, this week too on Disney. So I'm for sure watching that because I love Loki. They've got like he's, two other Avengers so series coming out this summer. Um, I think I watched those. I think Loki is... Infinite is one of them. Oh, is it? Uh, and there's one that's... The, that's the, I don't know the name of the character. Asian. He's an Asian character. He's also part of the Marvel Universe. They, like, they may be having three of them come out. Oh, are they? Yeah. Well, I love Loki, so I'm excited about that one. Got it. It's probably not he's Infinite. I probably, oh, The Eternals. I'm sorry. It's The Eternals. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. My bad. 
What about you? There's a couple of series that I think are, I'm interested in. I mean, next, I mean, I don't know when some of these come out. I know, I know they got delayed because of COVID and some of them I may be filming like right now, but like the next se- uh, season of Yellowstone, yeah. next season of Ted Lasso's coming out. Uh, they're going to be coming out with The Terminal List, which is a book series by a guy named Jack Carr. I've read some of those books, and yeah. so I'm looking forward to that one. Is that out. a Netflix series, or is that an Amazon? Uh, I don't know what it's going to end up being. It might be Amazon. It's so confusing now. But I know. Like a, and then I think Jack Ryan, I think, is going to come out with the next season on Amazon. That's Amazon, yeah. But that's so the all, guy from, all the guy, within the same room. The guy same from The room. Office is going to wreck shop again. Yeah. Is it Kaczynski? I don't know. Is Mike Kaczynski? I don't know what the guy's name yeah. is now. I think John. John, John Krasinski, Krasinski. That's what it is. And then I think the guy who's going to be playing um, James Reese in the terminal list is um, Chris Pratt. All right. So I think that's what's coming up. Come on. All right. So, uh, Rachel, tell us a little bit about what's coming up this summer on the, um, the movie podcast series. So we're going to start with Harry Potter, which uh, Yancey's super excited about. I don't know why oh my gosh. he didn't talk about that this episode. Listen, uh, I read that one book. It was good. Anyone who's read Harry good. Potter but it, what, But know, you didn't love it so now. much, you're not invited to be back on that episode. We're because have... I don't need to... Uh, listen, you got some experts out here coming in to do this. Both of you, frankly, oh, yeah. could have done this on your own, but you're going to bring in like Daniel Garcia. Yeah, People it's going to be so good. Be so awesome. we're going oh, yeah. to do Harry Potter. We're going to do Ted Lasso. We're going to do the Avengers. Um, what else are we doing? Soul. Soul, which I'm, I think is Star so Wars? interesting. We're doing Star Wars, Cinderella and Princess movies. Oh, man. It's going to be, we're just, what we're going to do Karate is we're going to have, yeah, yeah, and Karate, Karate Kid. Kid. Here's what I think That's y'all really to do, by the way. Whoever, did, whatever, whatever theme it is, whatever movie it is, you have to come to the podcast dressed, dressed in costume. <laughs> yeah. That's gonna be hard Trust for Ryan. Costume. Sure, no, no, it wouldn't be hard for me. For you soul? can wear a princess dress. Oh, for Soul, I don't even know. I don't know what you dress up. Dressing, 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 yeah. So he just wants to dress up as a Star Wars character. What do you mean? That's, yeah, what that's right. Yeah, I, I already do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm already in a costume. Yeah, yeah. They wore shorts on this one. He came to this I one did. in a costume. I did. I did. R two D two is just in that he's around the corner right now. <laughs> Well, Hold on, R2. Our hope is that it's fun, but that it's also just we can talk with each other about how these do connect us to the truth, like Nancy's talking about. How does it help us understand ourselves? How do, how do we yearn for the gospel and God when we think through these stories and to just have a good time this summer? Awesome. Well, that'll be good. Well, thanks, you guys, for being on here. Uh, for those of you who are listening, hopefully our conversation just gave you a good framework on how to watch movies and read books and listen to music and, and how to be discerning about that. If you haven't yet, make sure that you subscribe to the Clear Creek Resources podcast so you don't miss any of the episodes we have coming up this summer for our summer movie series. And while you're on the Clear Creek Resources website, you can check out a bunch of different content that we have, articles, videos, books, and sermons. All right, that's it for this week. I'm Ryan. Thanks for listening. I was going to sing out, highway to the danger zone. <laughs>